here we go on Open Mic Friday, March the 29th in the year of our Lord 2019. I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and I'm all by myself today to take your phone calls. And you can phone anywhere in the United States. In St. Louis, you just dial 821-0850. Anywhere else in the United States, toll free, one 800 7302727 I can't promise I'm going to be answering your question because I'm not omniscient don't know everything in the Bible but I'm going to do the best I can so give me a ring right now yesterday with Wes Reimnitz we were talking about the distinction between liberalism and progressiveness Progressive individuals really come from a liberal thinking. They're in contrast to traditionalists. In fact, if you take a look at the definition for progressive, it refers to the idea of implementing new liberal ideas. Now, what does that mean? Well, in theology, it's pretty easy to figure that out. Liberal simply refers to that which is contrary to the Word of God. If somebody is implementing an idea, they are a progressive if what they are saying contradicts a passage in Scripture. And I've got an example for you just to kind of follow up from yesterday's conversation while we're waiting for calls to come in. It's from Luke chapter 18. And what is it about? Well, it's the Pharisee and the tax collector. I'm going to first read the actual item that Jesus said, beginning with verse 10. Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. Well... Prayer is something very important. It's very traditional. So one would think that these are two believers, and we'll see what Jesus says about them. The Pharisee, standing by himself, I find that really interesting that Luke puts that in there, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other men extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. Now, if you're just reading the English, you may not have an understanding of what he's talking about. He fasts twice a week and gives tithes of all that he gets. Those are what we call part of the ceremonial law that God instituted for the people of Israel. They are not part of the moral law, as is found in the Ten Commandments, but the ceremonial law. Most religions believe that you can be saved if you follow the moral law. And a lot of religions say, you better shape up your life, then God will like you, love you, and finally save you. But in this case, he's not even using the moral law. He's falling back on the ceremonial law. 
And therefore, he doesn't think he's like other men, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. However, remember Jesus, when he went into the temple and saw the money changers at work, which was definitely authorized by the Pharisees, that he called that a den of robbers. So yes, they were indeed unjust extortioners. And if you remember the Sermon on the Mount, Adultery doesn't occur when you actually do the act, but even when you think about it or speak about it. So, therefore, he has really progressed past the Bible to come up with ideas of why he's better than the tax collector. What does the tax collector say? The tax collector standing far off would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Boy, what a contrast between him and the Pharisee. And Jesus says, I tell you, this man, that is the tax collector, went down to his house justified rather than the other. And then he gives a reason for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. But the one who humbles himself will be exalted. So, this is really an important passage. I want to talk a little bit more about it, but we've got a phone call, so let's go to that first of all. And we're going to talk with Doris. Doris, you're on the air. Hi. Hi. Um, thank you for taking my call. Um, I've actually emailed in my question before, but I can't always consistently listen to the programming. Sure. Um, so I thought I'd take the opportunity to call. Um, um, I um, am a, a member of the Lutheran Church uh, in Ontario, Canada, and we have a prayer group. Uh, where we now, now wait a minute, Doris. I have a question to ask you. <laughs> um, did you call the 800 number? From Canada no. right now? No. Oh, what number did you use? Your eight um eight two one eight zero eight fifty. Oh, okay. Yeah, we were just told today that uh the eight hundred number doesn't appear to work from Canada. And so yeah. we we're just last last week I had sent a message through Facebook. Oh, excellent. Well they got a hold of that. that. It didn't work, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. All right. Well I'm I'm sorry for interrupting you. <laughs> Go ahead on what you have to say. That's okay. So uh, there's a group of us who meet um, and um, periodically, and we will sit together and, and lift up prayers. And um, I remember hearing um, ages ago on KFUO a discussion where um, uh, people give too much credit to Satan and the demons because they do not have, you know, unlike God who knows our hearts and our minds, um, they don't have that ability or power. There has been times when I've been driving home and things have been weighing maybe heavy on my heart from the day, and I might start praying out loud. And it crossed my mind that am I giving something away that I shouldn't that could become, and I realize when you watch people too, you can pick up what can trip them up and 
and what their weaknesses are, too. Um, but it just crossed my mind that perhaps for some things I should not pray out loud, but should pray quietly to the Lord just so that it's not a... Maybe it sounds silly, so it's not a known to... Because I realize, too, I'm my own worst enemy also, not just that I need to worry about outside um, uh, torments and, and outside um, influences that way from, you know, that, again, you know, it's not like Satan is going to necessarily pick on me. He's got bigger bigger fish to fry, but but there are others of his legions of his... It just crossed my mind. Should I be saying some of the stuff that I'm praying out loud, or should I... Well, let me respond with two quotations from the Scripture. Number one, even Jesus talks about that um, in light of the Pharisees who loved to pray publicly so everyone would see how good they were. And I, I just said this with this parable of the Pharisee thanking God that he wasn't like other people. Now, that would be someone who was exalting himself And Jesus makes very clear that's inappropriate. However, when Jesus taught his disciples how to pray, he said that prayer, it's the Lord's Prayer, out loud. Mm -hmm. He didn't say it quietly. And, And so here's how I would come down from a law and gospel perspective. If you are praying to make yourself look better in the eyes of others, then that would be an inappropriate prayer. But if you're sincerely praying out loud for help from God, mm-hmm. I don't see any problem with that at all. I mean, we do that in hospital calls. We pray out loud. And a lot of times we'll have other people in beds in the same room who, after we've done the devotion and the prayer, they'll ask us, would you pray for me also? So that's a, 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 a wonderful addition to praying out loud. So if you're going to be doing it in a braggadocia way or making yourself look better in front of others, then that would be an inappropriate prayer. And that's where Jesus says you just go in a room and pray alone. But if you're doing it for the help of God and you're sincere about it, I don't see a problem with that at all. So I mean, all very good, all very good points, and all great things to remember, and especially together when we're with our our group and and lifting up prayers for others and and for ourselves and our families and such. But you know, there there's times where you know something's bothered us or something's weighing heavy on our heart. Yes, and it's not. I. Maybe it's just a silly thought that that has crossed my mind that I'm giving up, I'm giving up a secret or I'm giving up something to a power that could use it against me. Now, how are you giving it up by speaking out loud? Yeah. Oh, I don't think that is correct because the devil hates to hear prayers to God, and so that is really putting him in his place, um, saying to him that no. God is much more important than you, and I'm going to speak out loud, and no problem at all with that. Oh, very good. Okay? Yes, I do need to keep that part of it in my um, in my mind, that the, the, 
who I'm who I'm giving this over to is is God. That's correct. Well mm-hmm. said. Yeah. Thank you very much for calling. And thank you. Okay. God bless. Yeah. And, and we're going to move right on down the line, and let's go talk with Cheryl. Cheryl, you're on the air. Hi. Um, thanks for taking my call. Um, I have a question that came up in our uh, small group uh, Bible study. Uh, we were watching the DVD, um, The Gospel of Mark. Have you got your radio on? Uh, yeah, I'll turn it down. Yeah, just turn it down. Thank you. Go ahead, <laughs> Cheryl. Um, yeah, we were watching the DVD, The Gospel of Mark, and it has um, two discs, and we had just finished watching the first one, and uh, it's a group of grandparents, about eight of us, and uh, one of them asked, and we never answered this question, how do we know Jesus said all this? How would you deal with that? Oh, um, I'm looking at the ESV, and everything is in red is what Jesus said. <laughs> That's one way to tell them. <laughs> um, the other way is the Bible is very clear that what it says concerning Jesus is always inerrant. That means it has no mistakes. So I don't care where you find the red, that's definitely something that Jesus had said. Uh, His parables, his teachings, his sermons, and there would be no reason to doubt that because the Word of God does not return empty. And there are Bible verses that make it very clear that when the Apostles wrote, they wrote by being under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So if we're going to say they wrote something that Jesus said that he didn't say, then the Holy Spirit would be a liar. And so that's the evidence I would show. But trying to prove what Jesus said is nigh impossible because we only have God's word for sure about these things. And I know there's a lot of individuals. I went to a seminary where we had these uh, liberal professors who doubted that Jesus would say certain things, uh, either because he wouldn't know about it, etc. But it's very clear that he also was God. And therefore, there were times when the attributes of God came out clearly. He could read people's minds. He knew what they were thinking in their hearts. And he expresses that. So I don't doubt any words of Jesus as found in the Bible. Okay, well, thank you very much. I, I, when we had, when it, the question came up, um, my husband was leading the group, but he didn't really hear the question. Yes. So I was asking him about it afterwards. That, <laughs> but I just thought, wow, I really didn't know how to respond to it. So thank you very much. <laughs> okay, God bless. Thank you very much for calling. And anybody else can call uh, the number in the United States, 1-800-730-2727. And we're just going to go to the phone lines and talk with James. Hi, James. Hello, Pastor. Uh, we have a question about the incarnation today. Okay. Okay. Well, what we were thinking, is the incarnation of Christ uh, the same as the divine essence of God? Or can it be 
can the incarnation of Christ be considered his divine essence? And we were trying to find some sort of scriptural text in regards to that. So does Philippians 2, uh-huh. verses 5 and 6, describe the divine essence of Christ? And I'll hang up in this. Okay, I'm just a little concerned, not concerned, but questioning. How, how do you mean, is his incarnation the divine essence? D- well, we were, does it include the divine essence? Is that what you're asking? Yes, is it, is it uh, synonymous? Does it include it? How, how, how does it encompass the divine essence of Christ? Okay, that's very helpful. Thank you. All right, let's respond to that, that James is asking about. We believe, teach, and confess that when we hear the word incarnation, uh, that comes from the Latin, which means he becomes flesh, a human being. Now, being a human being is not his divinity, He remains God at the same time that he is a human being. So we talk about what's called the two natures of Christ, divine and human. Philippians 2, 5, and 6, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God... That means he was already God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. Now, that's really important. He didn't have to compete with anything to show that he was God. He didn't have to grasp to become divine because he already was divine from before the foundation of the world. But made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant. Now, what does that mean? Well, Scripture interprets Scripture. Being born in the likeness of men. Now, how is that nothing? That's nothing because creatures that God creates really have no power to be autonomous. They're really nothing. They can actively do good works here on earth outwardly, but passively, They cannot use their will to believe in Jesus Christ or to do spiritual good works. So they're really nothing. And he took on that form. And then it says, being found in human form, he humbled himself by become obedient to the death, even the death on a cross. So we believe, teach, and confess that when Jesus became incarnate, he took upon himself humanity. He became a human being, but that wasn't divine. For example, while he was here on earth in his humanity, he was not all-powerful. He did not know everything. Remember, he says, I don't even know when Judgment Day, only the Father knows. And he was not, in a sense, in his humanity everywhere. However, We believe, teach, and confess that after he ascended into heaven, the attributes of his divinity were shared with his humanity. So that now, Jesus, as the God-man in heaven, 
He not only knows all things, he not only is all-powerful, but he also is everywhere, omnipresent, in his humanity. That's why Jesus can appear in two different places after the resurrection. That's not a contradiction to the Bible. That's actually his humanity receiving the attributes of the divinity. His humanity still isn't divine, but it is able with the divinity to know all things, be everywhere, and other attributes. So appreciate the call. I hope that's helpful. Uh, let's try and get one more in. How you doing, Mike? You're on the air. Oh, hi. How you doing? Very good. Yeah, I was listening to that call from Canada, and I understand what she was trying to say. When you pray out loud, you're telling your weaknesses and that to the devil, you know, because he's overhearing you say that in the prayer. And uh, so I understood what she was saying, but my thinking is that when you're praying, you're actually doing an exorcism. So you're, you know, the demons are dr are driven off, you know, before you, you know, give out your secrets or something. Yeah, remember Jesus spoke out loud in the Garden of Gethsemane, Mike. He said, Father, if it be your will, let this cup be removed from me. He didn't seem to have any problem that the devil would think that that was a weakness on his part because he was relying in his trust on the Father. And so I think your point is very good that that is a kind of an exorcism. Oh, thanks. Okay, see you. Thank you very much. That's a great point, Mike. We, we really got some tremendous listeners, and we're unable to take any more uh, calls at this point. Uh, that's a good way to end, because Issues Etc. is always saying they have the best listeners. Well, I think part of the reason we do also is that they're sometimes the same listeners. So that's really good. Yeah, by the way, you do know I'm on Issues Etc., normally on a Tuesday, doing the Sunday School lesson that Concordia Publishing House uh, provides. And in fact, if you get the teacher's guide for every lesson, they tell you where to go to actually hear on the Internet the conversation that we had with Issues Etc., talking about the particular lesson for this coming Sunday. So we encourage you to uh, listen to KFUO to hear many things. On Monday, we're going to be taking another look at a Lenten series of readings. And I guarantee that when we go over the reading, although I haven't decided which one we're going to do on the radio, number one, you will learn something new you did not know. And number two which is the primary goal of reading, studying, and teaching the Bible, is you will be comforted by that wonderful word. Uh, by the way, we're uh, uh, needing some funding. If any of you are available to do that, listen at the end of the program, and you'll hear where you can send a check, making it out to Concordia Mission Society, and therefore, it goes right to KFUO uh, because it's a way of getting a tax deduction. Uh, you send it to my address, and then we end up uh, helping KFUO in uh, reaching its goals 
in order that it can stay on the air. So listen right after this program, and you'll understand uh, the address to send it to. And any amount is fine, uh, anywhere from a million dollars down to a dollar. Well, or in between, anything like that. Yeah, I'm Tom Baker. I want to thank you for listening. These last two weeks, we've been talking quite about quite a bit about nuns, N-O-N-E-S, those who have left the church. We've talked about the reasons they have. And yesterday with uh, Wes Reimnitz, we talk, talked about the progressive understanding that many nuns have, which is really a liberal understanding where they doubt the word of God, where it should not be doubted. And we pray that the Holy Spirit will bring many of them back into the church as they hear the wonderful words of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Till Monday, God bless. Listen to Law & Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law & Gospel, please make your check payable to Concordia Mission Society and mail it to Tom Baker, P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132. To give online, visit lawandgospel101.com or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.